more you have. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, fellow Star Wars fans? How are you doing today? I hope everyone had a great weekend. Real quick, I want to just welcome all the new listeners. We are so happy you could join us today. Now, let's get to the quote of the week, and it is from Nicholas Sparks. He said, just when you think it can't get any worse, it can. And just when you think it can't get any better, it can. So basically, don't ever bet on your situation. Just stay positive and everything will work itself out. Now, let's get to some Star Wars. Because there's a lot of rumors going around about a lot of different movies that might be coming out. You know, we've all heard about the Obi-Wan standalone and some other movies. And I found myself being like, well, man, this is going to be dope. And then we find out that it's not true. And it's very disappointing. I want to give everyone some advice when it comes to this. If you didn't hear it directly from Disney, it probably isn't true. So don't get sucked into the hype. Now let's get to Chapter 7 of Revan. Because it's really, really getting good. There's a lot of action and stuff going on in the first six chapters that's led us up to here. I can't wait to find out what happens next. So let's get to it. For the second time in the space of a single month, Revan found himself at a table in the back of the dealer's den, surrounded by the dregs of Coruscant. You couldn't have just contacted me via holocom? He asked Candorus as he took a seat. T3 obediently rolled underneath the table to sit patiently at their feet, safely away from where the waitress might trip over him. I need to talk to you face to face about this, the Mandalorian replied. Sounds ominous. T3 chirped in agreement. You still having those nightmares? Candorus asked. Sometimes. I'm dealing with it. The dreams were coming only two or three times a week now, instead of every night. Revan didn't know if this was because his subconscious was gaining more control over the repressed memory, or if it had something to do with the fact that he was taking steps to investigate his vision. Whatever the explanation, over the past week he had finally been able to grab a few nights of fitful rest. It wasn't enough to get rid of the dark circles under his eyes, but he no longer felt utterly exhausted. Tell me what you found, he said. I didn't learn anything about a planet covered in storms and eternal night, but I did dig up something you might be interested in. The astromech droid at Revan's feet beeped twice. It was obvious even to him that Candorus was hesitant to speak. I hope you're not waiting for me to try to buy this information from you, Revan joked. I left most of my credits at home. Candorus shifted uncomfortably, then leaned forward to speak in a low whisper. I probably shouldn't be telling you this, you being a Jedi and all, but I think you have a right to know. If you're worried I'll go running to the Council with your secret, don't be. It's not just them. You can't tell the Galactic Senate either. Whatever you've got to say must be pretty bad, Revan remarked. Depends on your point of view. The big man leaned back in his chair and took a deep breath. Revan stayed silent, giving his friend time to gather himself. I got in contact with some of my people, just like you asked, Kendra said finally. I'll find out that dozens of the strongest chiefs are gathering their clans at Rekiad. Revan recognized the name. Located in the Outer Rim system of the same name, Rekiad was a virtually uninhabited world of ice and snow. They're planning another invasion, he guessed assuming that was why Candorus was worried about the Jedi or the Republic finding out. No, they're not, 
Candorus assured him. Not yet, at least. They're searching for Mandalore's mask. They think you hid it somewhere on Rekiad. An image flickered through Revan's mind. He and Malak standing on the top of a glacier, surrounded by a swirling blizzard. It vanished before he could grasp it, retreating into the dark corners of his subconscious. Yet the brief flash of the resurfacing memory was enough to confirm what Candorus had said. I think they may be right, Revan muttered. Candorus was silent, obviously expecting him to say more, but there wasn't anything he could add. The memory was gone. You know what that mask means to my people, Candorus said. Without it, we are lost. Vagabonds wandering the galaxy without a purpose. Recovering the mask could be the key to restoring Mandalorian honor and power. Revan knew all this. That was why he had hidden the mask after slaying Mandalore the Ultimate, a final act to demoralize a defeated foe. He'd hoped it would take the Mandalorians generations to recover from the loss of their most revered cultural symbol. Without it, the warlike clans would be too busy fighting among themselves for power to even think about conquering Republic worlds. But if the mask were to be found again... Whoever finds it will be hailed as the new leader of the clans, Candorus continued. Mandalore will rise again, and the Mandalorians will follow. Revan knew that Candorus was sharing this knowledge with him out of loyalty. They had been through too many battles together for him to keep this secret. Yet he also understood why Candorus had been reluctant to speak. He was still a Mandalorian, and he feared for the future of his people. The wounds of the Mandalorian Wars were still fresh in the minds of the Jedi and the Republic. The looming specter of a Mandalorian army unified by a single warlike leader would not be ignored. Even if the Jedi Council refused to take action again, the Senate would send its fleets to crush the potential threat before it could begin. In their disorganized and depleted state, it was unlikely the Mandalorians would be able to resist. After the inevitable defeat, the Senate would likely impose martial law over the surviving clans, forcing them to disarm and abandon the customs and practices of their warrior culture. If the Republic found out about this, the Mandalorians, as Candorus knew them, would cease to exist forever. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Do you believe the Mandalorians will attack the Republic again if the mask is found? Revan asked. Depends who finds it, Candorus answered candidly. Some of the clan leaders want nothing more than to avenge our defeat. Others would rather try to rebuild our society. We were great warriors before we started conquering Republic worlds. It's possible we can restore our honor without violating the treaty terms we agreed to. The terms I forced you to accept, Revan thought. It was ironic that Candorus was sharing all this with the architect of the Mandalorian's greatest defeat. Almost a decade earlier, Revan had been one of the few willing to take action against the invading clans. But he was not the same person he was back then. 
He no longer clung to the simplistic ideals of right and wrong or good and evil. He understood better than anyone that dark and light were intertwined in strange and complex ways. And on some primal level, he knew this was all somehow connected to his visions of a dark, storm-swept world. The Mandalorians had the potential to be a very real threat, but his visions had convinced him there was something far more dangerous lurking beyond the borders of known space. The fate of the entire galaxy might rest on the repressed memories trying to break free from the prison of his own mind, and sending a hostile Republic fleet to scatter the clans wouldn't get him any closer to unlocking the truth. I'm not going to say anything about this to the Senate or the Council. Revan assured his friend. But whoever finds the Mandalore's mask will shape the destiny of your people for the next thousand years. I think it might be a good idea for us to be there when that happens. A broad grin spread across Candorus's scarred, square jaw, and he reached across the table and slapped the Jedi on the shoulder. I knew I could count on you. Time to get the old gang back together for one last adventure. Not everyone, Revan countered. Juhani and Jolie are Jedi. They still answer to the Council. They might feel obligated to say something about this. I got no problem with leaving the cat girl and the old man behind. I don't want to get Mission and Salbar mixed up in this either, Revan continued. They've worked hard to build up a nice import-export business over the past year. I don't want them to throw it all away. They would if you asked them to, Candorus noted. Wouldn't even think twice about it. That's why I'm not going to ask. Mission's had it rough her whole life. Now that she's finally got it back on track, I'm not going to mess things up for her. Okay, scratch the Twilly kid. But what about Zalbar? Hey, Wookie knows how to handle himself when things get rough. Mission and Big Z are a team. We can't break them up. Candorus rolled his eyes. We're getting a little short on bodies here. T3 whistled loudly, and Revan reached down to give him a reassuring pat on the head. Don't worry, little fella. You're too useful to leave behind. The astromech droid whistled again. Good point, Revan replied. HK's a little too trigger-happy to bring on this mission. Things tend to get bloody when he's around. You realize we're going to a planet overrun with Mandalorians, Candorus reminded him. Bloody is probably unavoidable. I'm hoping at least some of the clans can be reasoned with, Revan explained. If we bring a homicidal assassin droid with us, I don't think they're going to give us much of a chance to explain why we're there. We're a little short on bodies, Candorus repeated. What about that other Jedi who helped you during the war? Not Malik, um, the one they call the Exile. Mitra, Revan said. I heard she and the Council had it falling out. I don't know where she is. Might be worth tracking her down, Candorus pressed. She proved herself during the war. Revan wasn't sure how much Candorus knew about Malachor V and the mass shadow generator. The mission report was sealed away in the Jedi archives. He might have no idea that she had lured thousands of his fellow soldiers into a trap. It was also possible he was fully aware of Mitra's actions, and respected her even more for making the ruthless but tactically brilliant decision to sacrifice thousands of her own people to achieve victory. In either case, Revan didn't want to get into the tragic tale of Mitra's banishment and her severance from the Force. She may have had a falling out with the Council, but she's still a Jedi, he lied. 
doing his best to ignore the twinge of guilt he felt for his role in her ultimate fate. So who's that leave, then? You, me, and this half-sized bucket of boats? Candorus gave T3 a playful kick with one of his heavy boots. The droid beeped angrily in response. Don't forget Bastila, Revan added. I thought you wanted to leave the Jedi out of this. She's my wife, Revan answered. I'm not going to abandon her. Hey, it's your call, Candorus said, holding his hands up defensively. She's welcome to come along. I mean, if you really think you can convince her that heading out to the Outer Rim to explore Rickyard's frozen wastelands is a good idea. Well, Revan said with a shrug, we never did go on a honeymoon. So Revan and Candorus meet up at the cantina. As they talk, Candorus tells Revan that things that they talk about can't get back to the Jedi or the Republic. Candorus tells Revan that the Mandalorians are looking for Mandalore's mask on a planet called Rekiad in the Outer Rim. Revan remembers the name of the planet. It is a planet covered in snow and ice. He has a quick vision of him and Malak standing in the snow. He tries to hold on to that memory, but it slips away. Revan tells Candorus that, that they might be right. This might be the place that it's at. Candorus reminds Revan of what that mask means to his people. I'm sorry, but if I was Candorus, I wouldn't say nothing to Revan. Friend or no friend. It's Revan that killed the Mandalorian and stole the mask in the first place. If it wasn't for Revan, they might have won the war. Or at least they'll be a people, but that's just my thoughts. Revan asked Candorus if the Mandalorians would attack the Republic if they found the mask. Candorus tells him it all depends on who finds the mask. There's a lot of those clans that don't like the Jedi and the Republic. They decide that it might be in the best interest of, to everyone if they were there when the mask was found. Candorus smiles and says, we're getting an old gang back together. Revan says that they're not going to get the old gang back together. Not everyone is going. Basically, it'll be him, Candorus, Bastila, and the little droid. So, that's where we're at. Let's see what else is going to happen. Bastila was sitting in the living room when he got home, watching Holovids while she waited for him to return. Revan wondered if she'd been waiting long. He hadn't told her where he was going, and he hadn't told her about sending Candorus off to investigate the Mandalorians. He just hadn't seen any point in worrying her if there was nothing she could do to help. Now that they had a plan, however, he was eager to share it with her. He just had to be careful how he explained it all. Sorry, he said as he crossed the room and bent down to give her a kiss. I didn't know I'd be so late. You shouldn't have waited up. That's okay, she said, taking his hand and pulling him down onto the couch beside her. I couldn't sleep. Still holding his hand, she turned to face him. I've got something to tell you, she said. Me too. Big news. I bet mine is bigger, she said with a faint smile. That's a bet you'd lose, he warned her. I'm pregnant. Revan was stunned into silence for several long seconds. When he finally managed to speak, all he could say was, Okay, you win. Revan couldn't believe he hadn't noticed Bastila's pregnancy earlier. Though there were no visible physical signs of her condition, it should have been obvious. The instant she'd told him, he'd clearly sensed the life growing inside her through the Force. I must be getting senile in my old age, he said caressing her still flat belly. You've had a lot on your mind, Bastila reminded him, and you haven't been sleeping much. It was still too early to tell if it was a boy or girl, but it didn't matter to Revan either way. He and Bastila were going to have a child, 
It was the happiest day of his life. There was just one small problem. Talk about bad timing, Bastila murmured, echoing his own sentiments. Once he'd gotten over the joyful shock of her news, he told her about his meeting with Candorus. I have to do this, he said softly. It's the only way I'm ever going to find out what that vision actually means. What if you don't find out? Bastila countered. Your nightmares are fading. Maybe in a few months, they'll stop. Maybe, he agreed, though he didn't believe it. But I think these are more than just old memories bubbling up. They're a warning. Even if the vision stopped, the threat they represent would still be out there. Haven't you done enough already? Bastila asked, her voice rising slightly. You saved the Republic from the Mandalorians. You saved the Republic from Malak, and in return you had your identity destroyed and were ostracized by the Council. She pulled away from him, her anger building. You don't owe them anything anymore, she insisted. You've paid for your mistakes. You've sacrificed enough. You've earned the right to live out your days in peace. If I don't do something, nobody else will, he said, shaking his head. So what? So nobody does anything. Whatever evil's lurking in the unknown regions might not show itself for decades. We could both be old and grey by then. We have a chance to live out our entire lives in perfect happiness. Are you willing to risk throwing all that away? It was tempting to give in. It would be easy to pretend nothing was wrong and just live in blissful ignorance, like trillions of other beings in the galaxy. There was only one problem with her argument. I'm not doing this for the Republic, he explained. I'm not doing it for you. I'm not even doing it for me. I'm doing it for our child. And our child's children. We might never live to see the horrors that are coming, but they will. He tightened his arm around her. We have to protect the Republic for them. We have to risk our chance at happiness so they can have a life we might never know. Bastilla didn't answer. Instead, she leaned against him, resting her head on his shoulder. And he knew she felt the same way. When do we leave? She asked after a long moment of silence. You can't come with me, Revan objected gently. What if I find something on Rekiad? Some clue connected to my past. What if it leads me farther into the Outer Rim, or even the Unknown Regions? We could be gone for months, maybe longer. Do you really want to give birth on some uninhabited world on the edges of the galaxy? And then what will we do? How are we going to care for an infant under those conditions? I won't risk the life of our child like that. And I know you won't either. Bastilla reached two fingers up and pressed them gently against Revan's lips. If I say you're right, she whispered, will you please shut up? He nodded silently. Because I can think of better things to do on the last night before you leave than talking. Revan couldn't have agreed with her more. Bastilla accompanied Revan and T3 to the spaceport. Candorus was already there, loading supplies onto the Ebon Hawk. The Ebon Hawk had served Revan well during his hunt for Darth Malak. Owned by a succession of smugglers and pirates, it was one of the fastest ships in the galaxy. It had enough room to comfortably accommodate a crew of eight with cargo and supplies, 
yet a single individual could pilot it when necessary. Technically speaking, the Ebon Hawks still belonged to Davik Kang, a Teresian crime lord. But Davik wouldn't be coming to reclaim it. He was long dead, his body buried beneath the ruins of Terrace when Mallet bombed the city world from orbit. Be careful out there, Vistilla said. I always am, he answered with a smile, wiping a single tear from the corner of her eye. They didn't need to say anything else. They'd said their true goodbyes in private the previous night. Bastilla's years of Jedi training had left her uncomfortable with public displays of emotion, but she'd stood up on her toes and planted a long, hard kiss on Revan's lips. Then she turned away and quickly left the spaceport. Candorus raised a curious eyebrow, but showed enough restraint not to ask why she wasn't coming. They finished loading the ship in silence. Twenty minutes later, the Ebon Hawk took flight. Okay, Revan leaves and goes back home. He walks in and kisses Basilea and says she shouldn't have waited up for him. They have a quick go around about each other's news, both saying that they have the most important news. Basilea says her news is bigger than his. Then she drops it on him. She tells him that she's pregnant. For a moment, Revan is shocked. Then he tells her his news. She states that he has done way too much for the Republic already. He doesn't need to do anything more. He tells her he's not doing it for the Republic. He is doing it for his children and grandchildren. She asks when they are living. Revan tells her she can't go. You ain't going with me. You gotta stay here and take care of this child. After a moment, she agrees. Then Basila tells him that they need to get to saying their goodbyes. And if you're an adult, you know what that means. So that's it for chapter seven. I will see everyone next week as we venture into chapter eight and I can't wait. So until then, remember, keep your eyes on the sky. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.